Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. Welcome in to another episode of Sacred City Vision Trip. Pastor Sam here with you on this fine day. I hope you guys are having a good week. Uh, we just wrapped up a, uh, a passage through uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, uh, where the Apostle Paul tells us to, to put off the old self uh, and to put on the new self. And, and we've spent the last couple of weeks um, on our Sunday mornings uh, going through that passage, and, and we still have a couple of weeks uh, left inside of this dialogue of what it actually looks like to put on the old or put off the old and to put on on the new. But I got to thinking um, just about try, wanting to get a, a little bit more practical here um, with what the Apostle Paul's coming calling us into as Christians. And and I think it's really important for us to understand this that that while Paul calls us to put on the new self, right? There, there's the the dislodging of the old self and the actual replacing of the old self with the new self. Um, there's a sense where that has happened definitively in the gospel for us, that that we have already been transformed, that there has been a new heart uh, replaced in us, a heart that desires to to uh, love God, um, to do as he he commands, to will what is good. Um, and so that that's a, a work that has happened already where the Lord has given us the new self. That's our new identity. In Christ, yet as we live in the already but not yet, there's this tension of, man, the old self is still lingering. I still have these, basically, I've used this um, language of the old self has one set of desires that desires things that are not good and perfect and true. So it desires things that are are corrupt, um, deceitful, um, it it lusts after every impurity. Um, Paul talks about that. So the old self has this one set of desires, and the new self has this new set of desires that desires what is righteous and and truly holy. And, And what that ultimately points toward is a desire for God himself. Um, and so yet here we are living in this tension of, of even today, I, I sense this, where I have one set of desires that's pulling me in this one direction, yet the desire that I have uh, that, that God has implanted in me through the gospel um, is competing. There's a bit of a tug of war going on. And so what the, the, what the Apostle Paul calls us into is the act of um, renewing our, our minds, or, or how he says it is uh, renewing uh, to to have to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's what he the language he uses um, in Ephesians chapter four verse twenty three. Is that right? That is correct. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And so I wanted to talk about this because I, I gave a little bit of, of some application. Um, and, and really getting practical about what does it mean to actually um, to renew your mind. 
and and Paul actually talks about this a lot. Um, if you do a survey of his writings, the epistles, he talks a lot about um, this personal renewal. It's almost like a daily personal renewal that's meant to take place in the life of the disciple of Jesus. Um, and, and one of the things that he says in, in Romans chapter 12, he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed in the renewal of your mind. And so what he's saying here, without doing a ton of exegesis work on here, when, when he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, there's this sense where our culture, our world, and when Paul talks about the world, he's talking about um, humanity in a fallen state, a, a state that, you know, going back to the corrupt desires of the old self, um, that that's kind of the general default of humanity, uh, the, the, the uh, persuasion of the world. Um, and so Paul says, listen, don't follow that, those old trends. Don't put yourself in the current that's just going to sweep you up and take you out to sea further and further away from God. Um, and, and so I think that's one thing that's really important for us to realize that, first of all, there is a cultural current that's taking place. Um, David Foster Wallace tells a story, uh, I think it's in, a, in a, a commencement address. He tells a story of, um, it's sort of an a- anecdote about um, two, two young fish are swimming uh, in, in the sea, and they come across a, an older statesman fish, um, and, and they pass by, and they exchange hellos, and, and the, uh, the old fish says, good morning, boys, how's the water? And they, you know, kind of keep swimming along, going their own way, and, and, and all of a sudden, one of the younger fish turns to the other and says, hey, uh, what's water? And just that that image, that story kind of captures the reality. It's like we're in an ocean. We're, we're in a culture. We're in this environment, and, and we can oftentimes be sort of numb to it, and not even just not just numb, but totally oblivious to the fact that that exists, that there is a cultural stream, a cultural current um, that's taking place. And, and what the Apostle Paul tells us is that now that we're in Christ, now that we're Christians— um, we are we s- swim against the current. We we are we are not going with the stream. Uh, we are swimming against it. And so he says, uh, don't don't conform to the patterns. Don't give yourself to the cu- the current, um, but be transformed. Work against it. Push against it. Um, and, and the way that happens is in the renewal of your mind. Now, um, this language when he talks about the mind isn't just he's not just he's not strictly speaking of a cognitive. Um, endeavor, right? Just like a, a mental exercise. Um, now, one of the great things about Christianity is um, it, it is engaging cognitively. It, it makes you, to become a Christian doesn't mean you turn off your mind. It means that you learn how to use it well. Um, reason works within the Christian faith. Logic works within the Christian faith. Now, there are going to be some things that that reason and logic and science can't necessarily um articulate or give reasons for, uh, they're, they're, because quite frankly, they're not meant to deal with the supernatural. They're not meant to deal um, with the non-tangible world. Yet here we have a Christian faith that that validates and, and also lifts up uh, in, in a lot of regards um, reason and, and logic and intellect while pushing us into uh, genuine faith, right, of, of actually placing trust in something, well, rather someone, um, to help us understand and make sense of the world. And so that's one of the neat things that you see here is not just a shutting off of your mind. Now, one of the things in like um, modern uh, um, 
meditation and, and sort of like this, um, this sort of, I don't know if you get into like the J- Joe Rogan and, and there's many other people that talk about, you know, cultural icons that talk about, um, the, the meditation that they do and, and the quiet time that they have. And, and really the pattern of this is, is, um, model off of Eastern, uh, meditation of this, this idea of you're trying to empty your mind. You're trying to, to, um, create a vacuum of your mind to block everything out and, and just have nothingness. Whereas Christianity says, Hey, no, we're not trying to empty your mind. We're filling our minds with truth. And so when Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but to, to be renewed in your mind, or even when he goes into the, the renewing uh, renewing the spirit of your mind. He's talking about, listen, we've got to get ourselves in front of the truth. And, and thankfully, if you go back in Ephesians chapter four, he talks about this. Uh, he says, uh, let me read this part. He says, um, he talks about putting off the old self, um, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in, in them due to the hardness of their heart. They've become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And then he objects here. He says, that's not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about it. So yeah, listen, okay. So if you haven't heard about Christ and that's the way you're living, that's understandable. The light of Christ has not yet shown. You've not had this apocalypse, this revelation of who Jesus is to call you into this new life. So he's like, okay, hoping that you've heard of Christ. If you're living in that way, you ha- hopefully you haven't heard of Christ and now I'm telling you about Christ so you can can leave that way behind you. He says, that's not the way you learn Christ. Um, and then he says, as the truth is in Jesus. And so even here, as he's talking about the renewal in the spirit of your minds, he's talking about being centered on the truth. And and he talks about this also in Colossians. There's a lot of parallels here between um, the book of Ephesians and Colossians. He says, um, as you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so here, even going back to later in, I think it talks about this in second Corinthians, he says, taking every thought captive. Um, we, we want to take every thought captive, everything like bringing everything beneath the Lordship of Jesus and understanding what does it mean now? So as Christians, we develop this lens where, where we are examining every area of our life, every, and I'm like, not just what I do with my body, not just how I worship, not just what I do with my money, not just how I use my house, not just my attitude and my heart and disposition towards other people. Every single thing, including my thoughts, now become captive, to take every thought captive. And and part of that, as we take thoughts captive, what we're doing here is, is identifying what is untruth, like thing, things that we are believing or things that are, are, are sort of been grafted into our life that are not... Um, sturdy. They're not, they're not a a solid foundation for us to build our life on. And so we can, uh, you know, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, I was going to say dislodge. Maybe that's, that's a word that word will work, but we can eject those lies from our life and then replace those lies, um, with truth. And so what Paul's saying, Hey, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on, on earth. And then again, he says later on in Colossians 3, verse 10, you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And so even here, it's this, this process of the new self. I, I have been clothed 
um, in the righteousness of Christ. The new self has been put on. And, and at the same time that it's on, there's this renewal that needs to take place, a daily renewal in the knowledge after the image of its creator, which uh, already Paul talks about in, in Ephesians 4, that is Jesus, who is is the truth. And so then he keeps going on in Colossians 3, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so here, again, bringing us back to, it's about the truth. It's about um, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so here's my question that I want to answer here and kind of get practical. Or how do we how do we do that? How do we let the word of Christ um, dwell in you richly? Now, I'm going to give you some obvious ones that you, you probably will expect me to say. Um, things like Bible reading, right? There's never going to be a, a, a moment in the Christian faith where Bible reading will not be uh, a really easy application, you know? Um, and so one of the things, what, what, what can you do um, to expose yourself to the word of Christ and let it to let it dwell in you richly on a daily basis. Because listen, Sunday mornings are not enough. If you are the only time you're exposing yourself to the word of God um, and, and trying to let it dwell in you. Now, th- there's something special about Sunday mornings that the Lord works in, in these, in real, I think, really powerful ways on Sunday mornings, a unique, special way. Um, but there's also something that God does in the daily ordinary devotion life of Christians, of, of hey, I'm going to open my Bible um, every day, every morning when I wake up, I'm going to open it up, I'm going to listen to it on my way to work. We've got so many apps right now that are available at our fingertips, uh, apps like Dwell. In fact, that's one of the, that's an app that we at Sacred City have uh, purchased a, a subscription for you, so there's a way for you to access that. Um, they've got great uh, narrators, they get great Bible plans, um, reading plans for you, <clears throat> whatever it takes for you. Again, coming back to d- letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, I I, I love having that um, the option to listen to Scripture. Um, there's some days I'm traveling and or whatever I might be doing, and it's just that's what I need more than a podcast, um, more than music, more than whatever. I just I need to hear the Word of Christ uh, being you know just cranked into my heart. And so what is that for you? What's that look like? Do you, do you need to, are you reading the Bible on a daily basis? Are you open? And it doesn't have to be a ton, honestly. Like let's start small. Let's, let's, you know, have, um, have some reasonable goals that we can set out and say, Hey, every day for five minutes, the first five minutes of my day, I'm going to wake up or maybe it's not even the first thing, but it's like, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go through my routine while the coffee's brewing. I'm going to open up and I'm going to read the Psalms or I'm going to open up and I'm going to read through John's gospel or whatever it might be to get, to get yourself in a rhythm of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You can't replace that. There are not, there's no, I mean, you can't, there's nothing better than that. Um, and then here's here's something that's interesting though, um, not just reading it to say okay I read this, um, this this passage and so I can check off whatever that list is, but actually interacting with it. So the, not just there's a sense of meditating of sitting in the text um, that we want to get to that that goes through our 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 mind down into our heart. And, and I think one of the things that um, that's really helpful is is the approach that Martin Luther took um, about. He's specifically talking about how to pray, um, but he he interacts with the catechism or the scriptures um, 
in a, and he kind of chops it up in smaller segments. And what he's he's doing is like dividing it into four parts. And here's here are the four parts. He tells he calls us the the four garlands of a strand of rope. And and basically he's saying this is this is going to lead to a a flourishing prayer life. And really what what prayer is meant to do is help the word of Christ, right? Communion with God and help the word of Christ dwell in us. And so he says this. I, I he goes to each passage and he's here's talking about commandments. Um, if he's going through the catechism, he's going one question at a time. He reads the question of the catechism, gets to the answer, goes to the scripture that that all of those questions and answers originate from. And he looks at that commandment, and then he first asks, what is the Lord actually wanting of me? So the first thing is, okay, I come to the scriptures here. Um, what does God want from me? What is he telling me to do? So he, he examines, okay, what is it for me here? And then he turns it into uh, a prayer of thanksgiving. So God, um, I see that you want me, well, we can even go here. Um, let's say this, uh, to, to move ahead into this week's passage in Ephesians 4.25, it says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And so even just taking that one verse and saying, okay, what is there, what does the Lord want me to do? Well, here he says, to put away falsehood, stop, stop. Um, uh, living in, in deceitful ways or ways that I might posture and pretend or, or twist and bend the truth to make myself look more um, uh, pleasing than, than I am or, or to give people some sort of um, lip service to, so that they would hear what they want to hear rather than telling them the truth. And so here it is, what the Lord's saying is, I want you to put away falsehood and I want you to tell the truth, to speak the truth with your neighbor. Now then Paul, or then, then Martin Luther talks about this. I want to turn that, that the next phase of this prayer is turn it into thanksgiving. What is there to be thankful about? So I think just looking at this is, first of all, this tells us that the church is meant to be a, a, a pillar of truth, right? It's it's not, it's not um, rooted in deceit. It's not about posturing and pretending. There's something authentic uh, and truthful um, and honest about what the church is meant to be, to be and the fact that that God Himself is is forthright with me. He doesn't say, "Listen, yeah, you, you got a few rough edges, but you're overall a pretty decent person." He's, he's actually pretty straightforward. He tells me some of the in the truth in the sense of telling me things that I don't necessarily want to hear about myself. That I'm I'm worse than I ever thought. But at the same time, the other side of the truth is that I'm I'm more loved than I ever dared to imagine. And so that turns into a thanksgiving of God. Thank you, thank you for telling me the truth about myself and not letting me just live in a world of deception. And then third, this turns into a confession. Um, that's the next part of this in the meditating on this passage. He's talking about how do I confess my sins um, uh, toward God and, and receive the absolution and forgiveness in the gospel. And so what would that look like in this? This passage, well, God, I, I have not been forthright. I haven't told the truth. Um, I have been deceiving. Here's the people, you know, here's here's how I've been deceiving other people. And God, I, I just want to lay that before.